congratulations on surviving another week. Here is your reward, listening to us talk. Welcome back to She Told Me To Podcast. I'm Joan. And I'm Bella. And this week we're talking about fictional boyfriends. I think you can really tell a lot about a person by whether or not they wear a twihard to be aged, so... Remini fanfiction was where I discovered masturbating, so... You guys should see that she's not an ally for the mentally ill, because I'm doing my best to stay on track, and she just doesn't care. Because, you know, I had such an intense fear of death. So, mafia fairy porn. <laughs> All right. Do you want to jump right in and tell me who your first fictional boyfriend was? Oh, yeah. Do I ever. Um, so, as some people might know, the first one that's going to come to mind for me is my boy Jasper. Mm, delicious. I was a big, big twy hard back in the day. Aren't I, we all? Well, we all should be. I think you can really tell a lot about a person by whether or not they wear a twy hard to be aged. So. Honestly, just the way that people talk about Twilight tells me a lot about their personality. Mm-hmm. It's a huge red flag if they're like, boo, Twilight. Like, I already know. You suck. You suck. Yeah, because it's just another example of like something that was really liked by women that if people are hating on it, there's probably some underlying misogyny. At least that's my theory. Like that and astrology, all that shit. If you start immediately out the gate or like, well, I hate it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, I hate you. Bye. Absolutely. There's some good points to be made about Twilight. You can talk about the Mormon stuff in there. I was there. about to say the Mormon stuff. <laughs> like, you can make some good points. I literally was going to say, we could literally go into the complexity. Exactly. And the complex, or we could literally go into the way that Stephanie Meyer wove mm. in Mormonism into the subcultures of Twilight. Absolutely. And then you said that. So if, you know, if you want to be like, oh, I hate it for this reason, sure, fine. You're like, okay, well, let's examine it as a religious text. A- absolutely. <laughs> but if you're going to come out straight from the gate and be like, I hate it because I hate it, then uh, I'm sorry, I don't have respect for you. Exactly. <laughs> so, Jasper. Yeah, Jasper was my boy. Jasper, I think they made him look really weird in the movies in the first few mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Jackson Rathbone is my type to a T of like what I really want in a man and such. And Jasper is also my type to a T and what I like in a man, which is emotionally broody and just <laughs> messed up and yes. usually abused. <laughs> by a woman like I don't mean that I seek that out but I mean that oh most of the fictional men that I really love have that trauma it just so happens what about Jasper specifically was it that drew like how old were you and what do you think it was that drew you to him so with Jasper I was in fifth grade when I kind of got into the Twilight books and it was definitely through middle school and I got into Jasper because I was really into Alice actually Mm -hmm. which I know might be surprising because I you know we've had this conversation before where I assumed based on knowing you now that your favorite would be Rosalie yeah but it makes so much more sense that as a child yeah I'm a little misleading there because everyone now is like obviously her favorite is going to be Rosalie and I'm like actually plot twist it was Alice (laughs) all along Because I also really didn't understand Rosalie's whole, because, you know, I had such an intense fear of death. And I was like, why is this bitch complaining that she doesn't have to die anymore? Like, that literally sounded so asinine to me. Mm -hmm. But there are other aspects to Rosalie that I understand better now as an adult. And, you know, so I do love my girl. But I was really into Alice. And because Alice was really into Jasper, I was really into Jasper. Right. And also, I'm not, like, Edward, I always feel like main characters are kind of, not always, but in a lot of books, they're kind of bland and shapeless because you're supposed to like project, project yourself yes. into them. Yes. And oh so I God. felt like Edward and Bella were just like shapeless beings to me. I really liked Esme and Carlisle, but because I was a child reading these, I really projected them into parent like parental figures mm-hmm. in my life. So mm-hmm. like I didn't sexualize them them. Now Carlisle could fucking get it. Oh my God, Carlisle. But then it. Carlisle could not get it. So, and Emmett was too masculine for me. You know, I've never been into like men, men. So I, Rosalie and Emmett were my thing. Yeah. I, well, oof. you're into like, he's like <laughs> the whole woodsy beard. Like, I mean, he's not beard, but you know, like the whole bear thing that kind of is Emmett's shtick is like your type to a T. Just yes. if he was Scandinavian, he'd be perfect okay. for you. Yes, true. Um, if Emmett was Scandinavian. If Emmett was Scandinavian. I'd already be married. But anyway, <clears throat> so Jasper, I got into him because Alice was into him. And I really liked that he was just like emotionally broody. And he had a lot of this intense like guilt and like feeling that he was bad that I really identified with. And I <laughs> 
you will see a common theme in all of my fictional boyfriends that most of them just feel like they are worth nothing and pathetic and bad. Um, should we dig into that? Probably not. But <laughs> what was your first boyfriend? I was, before I answer that, I wanted to ask you, um, because you made me think when you said that they all have share a common theme. I don't know if all of my fictional boyfriends are like my favorite men in literature slash film are, if, if there's a connecting factor, but I don't know if I would be attracted to mine in real life. Do you really? think, do you think you'd be attracted to Jasper? Not even attracted to him, but like, well, do I know you I'm think, attracted to Jackson Rathbone. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean physically attracted to, I mean like, do you think you can be in a relationship with them? Well, with Jasper, mm-hmm. I kind of outgrew that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, so Jasper was my first fictional right. boyfriend. I don't think I would be able to be in a relationship with him now because right. now my tastes in fictional men are much more suited to what it would take to handle me. Now, as a child, I was like, oh, I want to take care of him. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I want to take care of you, but I want you to also take care of me. me. I think my taste has evolved. He still fits the theme, even though now the men that I'm into are much different. Interesting. My very first one was something absolutely ridiculous. It okay. was this Polish opera singer who had a, uh, a show where he just read stories to kids. And I had this ginormous crush on him. And I would quite literally run out of the room blushing when he came <laughs> on the TV. And I mean, I was like two slash three, like just developing my speech and everything and you're like oh it's too much and I was, too, I was too, like, hot too hot to handle it's too hot to handle um my mom really milked that to make fun of me As but you do. my jasper i'd say was of course the one and only ronald weasley <laughs> <laughs> a ginger really i love me a ginger i'm sorry ron was so, you know i bella and i have a very different taste in men and i know this but um with ron it wasn't even about him it was not at all his personality. It was because I identified so strongly with Hermione as a child. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. You, it really comes through. Remember that story with Harry where you said that you guys first had attraction because you were shooting your hand up because yes. you had ants in your pants over being right yes. about something? No. <laughs> Big Hermione energy. I take that as a massive fucking compliment. Um, Hermione was 12. Let's remember. <laughs> She was between 12 and 18, first of all. But I identified so strongly with Hermione, and I saw how attracted to her Ron was very early on, like earlier on than I guess was intended for us to see, Uh, or not intended for us to see, but like before other people picked up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just lose my mind if anybody was like a Harry Harry Hermione shipper. Mm -hmm. I would lose my mind immediately. I'd be like 12 years old fighting with people. Don't look at me with that face. Do not say what I think you're about to say. I'm going to talk right over you. Um, J.K. Rowling said that she wished that she had put Harry and Hermione together. But okay, you're really going to throw J.K. Rowling? No, I'm not. I'm exactly. Not. <laughs> exactly. But J.K. I, Rowling lost her privileges to Harry Potter. Exactly. Like because of who she is as a person, she no longer like we're all like, no, these are us now, and you can't touch them anymore. I trust every fan fiction writer over J.K. Rowling. Even the shittiest smut, I would prefer <laughs> them to have ownership of Harry Potter. Well, you know, over J.K. the Rowling. Mortal Instruments by Cassandra Clare is Ron and Ginny fan fiction, right? That's why they both had red hair, and why in the original plot twist of that series is that they were brothers and sister, and they had been like making out and about to have sex but they didn't but all I think about when people rave about that being their favorite <sighs> book series is I'm like that's incest fan fiction of Harry Potter just so you know continue Jesus it's also why I hate that author as a person I think I was so attracted to Ron not even for him but because I saw myself in Hermione and I thought it was so nice to see that you know somebody like her could be loved you know at that point it wasn't like people were obsessed with i didn't have guy friends that were like oh he likes that she's obnoxious exactly i was like that's how we ended up with harry it all makes sense yeah it it does it does i really was like somebody's gonna somebody's gonna like that i'm obnoxious and you know some people do some people um after like three weeks are like jesus (laughs) never mind um i think i mentioned the classics once around bella and i've never brought it up again mm mm-hmm mm-hmm and that's why we've been friends for six years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to have a giant poster. My dad got me the um, posters from Harry Potter mm-hmm. from the sixth movie. His friend worked in a movie theater. So he got me like eight foot posters from the theater. And they were basically my wallpaper. I had Ron right above my bed. As you do. And I, I kissed him goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> 
while you were touching yourself? I don't think I was there yet, but Romani fanfiction was where I discovered masturbating. So <laughs> no, that's not true. I discovered masturbate. No. I don't know if I'm confusing the two facts, but once a kid in school called me a fuck-ass, bitch-ass, whore-ass something, and I just went out home and... Googled what that meant? Googled what that meant, and what had come up when you entered that into Google was porn. I was grossed out. I was like, because I understood what was happening. I was just like, I didn't realize you could record this. You going home to Google an insult. Somebody had thrown it. I didn't know. I could just picture you and you're like, what? does fuck ass hoe ass bitch ass whore mean enter i hadn't really heard like english curse words i it was very close together these two events but i was definitely reading ron and hermione fan fiction and it was like gentle fan fiction it wasn't even like anything that i'm into now <laughs> gentle it was you know it was like them losing their virginities and i was like there is a feeling here what if i just <laughs> try this and i was like oh yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think of when i first touched myself because i know for me, I was watching porn before I was ever, like, touching myself. Right. Which is what got me afraid of sex and also intrigued. I assume naturally from there I probably started touching myself. Yeah. I know I never actually came from masturbation until I was, like, 12 or 13. Like, I had started touching myself at, like, 10. Mm-hmm. But I would always feel like I was going to pee, so I would stop. Because, like, oh, my God, I'm going to break myself, oh, you know? Yeah. When it's like, no, that was, that was right. <laughs> that was, I, that was the correct thing and then i ended up by like a stroke of luck on a women's <laughs> forum that was like oh. grown married women talking about masturbation techniques and stuff which i think is why i've no always way. had a leg up on everyone else because that told me about like shower heads and like bathtubs oh. and that you're supposed to feel like you're gonna pee when you're about to come and oh stuff God. like that and from then on I went to my bathtub and it was long mm-hmm. showers for me because our shower head at the time had that hailstorm setting that you're like, who uses <gasps> this? For you. 13 year olds use, use that hailstorm setting. I, I would still use that hailstorm <laughs> setting if I had a, are you kidding me? <laughs> nothing beats, nothing beats the bathtub. It. I've never once tried <gasps> it. Never once have okay, I had a shower head to my vagina. So I rem- nothing really beats a bathtub mm-hmm. masturbation simply because of the fact that it's comparable mm-hmm. to being touched by someone else mm-hmm. in the sense that you feel the sensation so much more because you're not anticipating yes. it because yes, you're yes, not yes, doing yes, yes. it so it's so much better than like fingering yourself or like vi- vibrator on yourself mm-hmm. because you're not anticipating it mm-hmm. and so for me like it's, it's definitely it's definitely good one. <laughs> It's, it's a good I was explaining this to a guy. We were in bed together, and I was telling him as you do about like pillow talk. Pillow talk. Um, and I was trying to explain this, and I was like, I never did. I never got into the shower thing. And he was like, What are you talking about? You've never had shower sex. And I was like, Well, I've never had shower sex because I could never get the mechanics out. But I had. Well, I had, I've had shower, shower sex, sex with myself. Once. I had shower sex exactly once, and I was so drunk. I to this day don't know how we managed it because my bathroom in Poland was tiny 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 and we had somehow fit in there i don't even know at this point if we had i'm just sex sex in there you're just, taller than me though i've been too like mm-hmm. i've never been able to get it because i've been too small compared to my partners mm. like he literally and I were, like very similar too, height too short and so it, the alignment and could never work and the lady that lived in my apartment before me was elderly so there were like the elderly handles so i think my leg was up there it's like you were holding on for dear life. I don't think he remembers this because I, he was the one who was like, you've never had shower sex. And I was like, we, I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> we were uh, very drunk. We were very drunk. Was it an ex-boyfriend or was it a, so it was a friend. <laughs> it was a friend. It was a friend. I assume because whenever things like this happen, <laughs> it fits the personality of a certain friend. Your question <laughs> about um, whether this was a boyfriend or a friend. Oh, we already answered that. No worries, honey. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm re-answering it. I'm saying that it brought me to another thing, which is I feel like all of the boyfriends I've had, my real-life boyfriends, were basically fictional boyfriends. Because I've had this very strange experience, which I don't know how many people can relate to. Maybe people that have had, like, summer romances. But every single time I got a quote-unquote boyfriend, particularly middle school and high school, very shortly after, I would go to Poland. Mm-hmm. for three months and like our only contact was texting and then I didn't really see them all that much 
because I obviously can invite them over to my house. Like my house is a very not, and I didn't really go on many dates with them. So it feels like they were fictional. Like so many things happened with them, but they always happened like either virtually or in school hallways. So it doesn't feel like they were real boyfriends. I think that's how most of our like middle school boyfriends were. Well, yes, but that's the only boyfriends I've had. Then there was Harry, but that's it. I never had. Are we jumping over Ryan? Well, exactly. Ryan Uh, was long distance. distance. So every single boyfriend I've had has been like not. I forget you've only had like you've only have me beat out by a few other boyfriends, Mm -hmm. like one other adult boyfriend, but a few other boyfriends total because of friends. (laughs) Stop. Yeah, I mean, I I I get around. I just don't (laughs) date them. And is that your choice or? That was cruel. Well, I found out from my Myers-Briggs today that I am, what did it say? I was cold and ruthless, calculating and ruthless, cunning and ruthless, something like that. And I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. But that was my, that was my segue to fictional boyfriend. Fictional. I feel like every relationship I've had has been in my head. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be like, no, same. The reason I stayed with my ex-boyfriend was because who oh. he was in my head <laughs> was so much better than who he was. Is that like but a thing for a lot of people, do you that's, think? That's what I was going to say. I was like, I think a lot of us get trapped in the like who we think they are, who they could be versus seeing who they actually are. Let's go into what is like your ideal fictional boyfriend. Like what are their traits? I want to know what your fictional boyfriend type is, mostly so I can then talk about mine. (laughs) (laughs) Of all of my like favorite fictional boyfriends, they've all been very honorable people, like with very strong, exactly, with very strong morals and like very mass, exactly. And there's no way in hell I would survive five seconds with a man like that. Like, I would never be able to date any of my ideal fictional boyfriends. Really? Because it seems like you've been quite actively thinking about if we want to read the text messages I got last night. (laughs) That seems quite active. Pull them up right now, I dare you. I will be very honest. I am masturbating. So TTYL. Bella, yesterday. I was just getting started and I saw the text. I was like, she's going to be upset if I don't respond immediately. But it's going to take me a little bit. First of all, I've straight up D&D'd you when I was in the middle of masturbating and you're texting me. And I was like, this is killing my buzz, Bella. <laughs> I'm not trying to think about you. I'm like, Ouch. I'm a prostitute for the night court in this mafia romance with Sir Lord, who owns my body, Cassian, fucking me in front of a room full of other people. I can't think about you right now. You're killing it. Interesting. So why don't you build on that? <laughs> so mafia fairy porn. All right. I feel like Joe should take it away from here. The mafia is just the fan fiction that I didn't know that I was into until I found out that I was into it. Mm. Everybody was into the Harry Styles mafia fan fiction. I, at that point, was not that deep into One Direction. I'm, I've never read Harry Styles fan fiction. Me neither. You probably never I'm, will. as you know, a Niall girl. I was not into them. I was not into any real boys for a long time i've still only been into one real boy so mafia fairy porn listen we don't have to get into it okay we don't, like have, we don't have to although on my tiktok today a girl commented she was like i'm because it was like one of my mafia fairy porn things mm-hmm. uh tiktok i made she's like i'm gonna need you to drop the link and i was like i, I see i got you girl and i, I see did. you and i hear you and <laughs> here it is exactly but that's just that's just because what i like sexually mm-hmm. which is not important for the public <laughs> When I'm unemployed currently. Ladies and gentlemen, read between the lines. (laughs) I think we're much easier to read than we think we are, especially when we're halfway through doing the podcast, basically forget that we're doing the podcast and just start talking normally. Yeah. To be fair, I try to keep us on on track, but only one of us is on ADHD medicine, me. And it's hard when someone else isn't taking her Adderall. It's not that I'm not taking it. I was not yet diagnosed nor prescribed. She probably should be. They really should be. Which is no laughing matter. If you feel like you have a Oh, God. <laughs> so let's get into what our type of fictional boyfriends are. Mm-hmm. So I'll go first because I don't want to hear you speak. I want to talk about what I'm talking about right now because I'm thinking about it and I'm hyper-focused and I'm excited. Tell us. I will tell you. Even though I'm not going to be popular with the fans for saying, I don't want to hear you speak. But it's Okay. Because Bella hurts me physically, okay? I have. <laughs> I physically have in the past. And all of this makes me think of George, who was like, I can't be mean to you. And I'm thinking about all these things that go on in my head. And I'm like, 
there's nowhere for us to go from up <laughs> if you can't even say mean things to me. I mean, I mean, like, it's just not going to work, sweetheart. You're doing it wrong. That's what's hard, too, is, like, you need a man with the natural charisma of being that role. Because oh. if they try, it's embarrassing. Because I'm like... So do they need to be an asshole to treat you like an asshole in bed? Well, according to Sarah J. Mass's characters, no. Although, to be fair, Rowan and Aelin did start off by beating each other up. Literally, like, punched her in the face and told her that she would have been better off dead. But it's fine. Because then she was in the bathtub and he saw her naked back with her whip marks on it. And he stopped and and he said, who did this to you? And I was like, (laughs) It really is that balance between being absolutely brutal to being like absolutely brutal to people that would hurt you as well or or the character and this this is what i found out is i really like the men who are like because i'm intense and i'll say that i'm intense i have a scorpio moon i have a leo rising i've had a lot of trauma in my life like i'm fucking intense and i also believe that like if you have one life to live why would you not want to live it intensely and passionately and full out like why would you want to dress rehearsal your life like why would you want to hold things back and not say how you're feeling and like be as passionate or feel as passionately as you could be if this is all you're getting, like what the, like that just doesn't make any sense to me. Cause I'm like, if this is it and I will burn out and as the Buddhists believe and I'm a candle and once I burn out, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like then I want to fucking burn. Now I'm having a realization that I have to voice in a second. So I'm realizing that in shows, books, movies, I really enjoy the dynamic where <clears throat> the guy is a bit of a player <laughs> and um, then, you know, he meets the one girl and i may or may not have done that in real life a few times i was like it's it's me it's always been me it was never her it was never me it was not even close to me i i just walked into his room and kissed him what was he gonna do not have sex with me so anyway what i noticed is what i really like in my fictional men so i like my top fictional boyfriends are Rune Danan from the Crescent City universe of Sarah J. Mass. Um, Cassian from, he doesn't have a last name yet. Maybe someday Sarah will give us a last name, <laughs> but from the A Court of Thorns and Roses series from Sarah J. Mass. And then I keep saying Rowan is my favorite from like Throne of Glass, but I don't know necessarily that's if that's true. true. And it's also really hard to get past Rowan just because he's just oh, a whole lot of man. Mm-hmm. And he's like white haired, has a tattoo on his face down his face he and i know a lot of people are gonna be like reese isn't your favorite reese isn't your favorite and it's no because nesta is who i am in my soul and so i really got the ick with reese the minute a court of silver flames happened and i'm sorry and i stand by it <laughs> anyway cassian i just really like because he's got that himbo energy mm-hmm. he really balances out nesta in the sense that ne- like i am nesta yeah. i'm nesta to a t So what I really look for in fictional boyfriends and what really gets me going is when they are strong enough to support the woman and also when they are willing to accept that there is no good and bad. There is morally gray is all we really have in this world and overlook that she's done bad things and she'll do them again if she needed to. Because a lot of times in fantasy and TV and movies and literature that you're reading, these quote unquote good characters get to get away with doing things and like taking the high road and still come on top come out on top and like win without ever having to sacrifice anything without anyone having to die without any bad like consequences or having to make a choice that is just going to hurt a specific group of people and that's just not real leadership that's not real Mm -hmm. life that's not like say in real life everybody's made a questionable choice exactly like it's like life is the trolley question Mm -hmm. you have to decide if one life or five lives are worth more so a lot of times in fantasy novels there's like this magical oh well i can fly over all of them and nobody gets hurt and it's like okay fuck you but what i really liked about sarah j mass's writing is that her character's are not only are they morally great and they and they've done things in their past that were questionable but they also are vengeful Mm -hmm. and they will get their vengeance because there is this wonderful wonderful scene that really is why i think i keep going back to rowan as being my favorite throne of glass person huge 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 spoiler if you have not finished the throne of glass series please 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 do not continue skip 
Aelin, who is Rowan's girlfriend or wife at this point, because they get married in secret, which is a trope that I don't like that we could get into. Mm-hmm. But uh, ask yeah, I don't like I don't like that trope. I don't like the married off screen or off book trope. I'm like, I'm invested so much, and you just went like I don't. I know a lot of people love that when they randomly do the "Where's my wife?" you know, and it's like. <gasps> They were married but i really don't like that i'm like well if you're gonna get married like i don't believe it if i didn't see it yeah, you know yeah, which fair. could just be a me thing but i'm like that just feels fake i'm like i didn't see you get married so you're not really married mm-hmm. you know anyway aelin gets captured and she's being tortured and held hostage not just torturing her but they were breaking all of her bones they were skinning her alive they were doing all of these things and then they would erase the scars and like heal her so that she couldn't tell if it was real or not to try and get her to like tell them what they wanted to know and they also she's being in pain because of the fact that her magic can't get released Mm -hmm. she's literally in a coffin while she's being tortured like they keep her in this iron coffin with an iron mask on her face with only her only nose holes for breathing this male guy will come in and he will just like take the scalpel and like skin her the last thing the scene that i'm talking about is when they're in this tent and he's about her fire her power is fire based Mm -hmm. which is you know why the tattoo i have Mm -hmm. for her is fire heart and like Mm -hmm. that's her name and it's the heart on fire and stuff like that um and he takes the this like poker or whatever it is she realizes then that he's going to like turn what she loves which is fire because it's her power and it's mm-hmm. never hurt her before and hurt her with it because she's defenseless with it and like the whole reason that she's in this tent is because rowan is trying to find her to get her back and he made up this lie that he had a magic collar. That is what the people that are holding Aelin captive mm-hmm. are looking for. Because with that, they can she can become possessed by this demon. They want her as a slave. That's why they want her to yield, which is why her whole thing is like, you do not yield. That's the only thing she says to really I'm keep so hold onto anything. <laughs> She's been brought out a war camp because that's where the meeting point was that this the enemies think that they're meeting mm-hmm. up with. And Aelin knows this. Like, I've had enough. She's like, I'm, there's clearly no escape. Like, because they've also told her that Rowan isn't coming. So they've told her that he's in this, her home country defending it. When she finds out about the collar and that she's going to be an eternal, like, slave. And all of this comes to light to her when she's, like, lying on the table there. And he's taunting her as he's, like, getting the skewer hot to, like, start burning her. And he has the scalpel. Like, they literally describe in depth the forceps and the scalpels and the blades that he's going to use. Because he just, like, would pick her nails off one by one. And, like, oh just do all of this crazy shit to her. Like, Sarah? skin her. Okay. honestly who knows <laughs> literally why i had to skim part of it because i was like what's wrong with you yeah. like reading this yeah. she finally decides like you know what i can't escape with my magic but i can fucking fight enough that he'll kill me because she knew that he the guy that was torturing her was volatile and so she's like if i provoke him enough he'll kill me on accident and that's what she wanted and so eventually she like fights back and not get killed by him so she runs out rowan comes in and there's this scene where because her and rowan actually miss each other because he's running to the tent because he realizes that's where she is Mm -hmm. to try and save her as she's already tried to kill herself and then coincidentally because she was trying to kill herself was able to escape and is running just the fuck out like she's just like running out no plan and they like miss each other in that and he sees like the tools that are laid out and he sees like her blood and smells her blood and her like everything on Mm -hmm. this guy who's been torturing her and he straps him down to the table and like closes the tent and then like uses his magic so that nobody will hear what's happening in the tent Mm -hmm. and he knows he doesn't have that much time because obviously they're in an enemy war camp in so many movies and books and tv shows they would just be like either like just kill that character or just leave him and be like whatever but rowan is like aelin once said to rowan that if someone ever whipped her again she would skin them alive and rowan takes the scalpel and this person works he wakes up by that and he like skins him alive and he later tells aelin it didn't take as long as it should have because i didn't have the time but that scene really really made me love rowan because it was just such a good moment of him saying defending his woman seems weird and like patriarchal but it was him just being like no like what you did to her Mm -hmm. is unforgivable and I'm going to make you okay and I'm going to be like that's that's way too late no no yeah it's like no it's like actually I'm going to make you suffer Mm -hmm. and not nearly enough as you should because he's still thinking about her that leads into my next moment with them, which is when they're having a conversation about what happened. And she tells him, I wasn't trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And he says, I know. 
And just that, I don't know how to describe how that's so attractive, the way that he knew her well enough and saw her and loved her and accepted her in her darkness well mm -hmm. enough to be like, I know that you were trying to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know. Like, he's like, I know you. And I know that you were not fighting to try and escape because you hate yourself and you were done and you're tired and you're suffering. You were trying to die. Yeah. And then the worst, the worst part and also the most beautiful part is she's like, they had a collar. And he's like, no. They did not have a collar fire heart. And she's like, oh, was that not real? Like, you know, Peter mm -hmm, and Katniss mm -hmm. style. And he's like, but, and he tells her, he's like, but that was because we lied. We lied to her to get her out here. There was no real collar. And the threat of the real collar is what made her want to kill herself. So it's like this horrible moment where they're both looking at each other, knowing that she tried to kill herself because of his lie that was to try and save her. And it's just this like painfully raw moment where they're just looking at each other and all they can do is acknowledge that like, they almost destroyed each other. Stop. And she just like, <laughs> it's so good. This and is the first time I'm hearing of this. I'm processing. It's so good. And you know, obviously they there's a lot. They live happily I mean, it's... I, <laughs> There's like 600 more pages after that. So, but um, they do eventually get to the happily ever after. Yes. Phew. That's one of those scenes where it was just like, that is what's attractive to me. Like just the being seen by someone in your darkest moments and, and acceptance of the fact that like you are going to hurt the one you love sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or she's like, I don't want to be alive, you know? Or, and he never is like, well, be alive. <laughs> be happy. He's just there and he's like, I know, but we only have to go a little bit more. Let's just mm -hmm. go a little bit more and we will, you know, and it's just that, that is so, oh. and then on the opposite end, the other example of that, this is a whole podcast just about these book scenes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're going to give them a part to skip to, so it's fine. Um, in A Court of Silver Flames, so this is A Court of Silver Flames, spoilers, spoiler alert. Cassian. <laughs> what? Are you laughing? I, I'm still on the Cassian Caspian mind thing. Oh my God. Get over that. No. Part of why I love Cassian, you'll see there's a very specific type with my with my fictional boyfriends. And it's like that kind of thing where it's just like these men that don't try and fix them, but instead they're like, hit me. Like Take, it, take out it out on me, me you know like, yeah i i'm here to take on like, this burden you have exactly mm -hmm. it's like share your burden with mm -hmm. me and it's not like take it out on me as in like scream at me and like abuse me. but you know it's like get it out yeah. at me because i love you enough and i have the space for you to get it out at me and i will take it and i can I can carry it. Like, I can, I can carry you. I'm not going to fall down if you show me who you are, you mm -hmm. know? Even if you show me the ugliest, most traumatized parts of you. That's all I that want in a man. Yeah. And unfortunately, I had an ex who, like, had all the, like, other parts. Like, you know, the, like, domineering attitude. The, like, asshole but not an asshole to me. Mm -hmm. Like, things like that. But I could never rely on him. Ever. For anything. Like, that man would have let me fall. All I want. And all my fictional boyfriends have always been the reliable ones that are like, I can catch you. Mm -hmm. You can relax. And I've said that from since I was like 15 years old when I was like in therapy and they were like, what do you want? And I was like, honestly, want to catch me. no, I was like, honestly, I want someday to be able to marry someone or be find someone that I don't have to have my guard up around where I can finally just like let go oh, yeah. and be like you know all of me, you know my demons, you know what haunts me in the middle of the night, you know, and like just all of those dark things. And it's just like to have someone there that you don't have to hide that from or have to be on for and be like, no, like, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's great. When it's like, no, I actually fucking hate myself today. You know, that is like, so At least he's defined. At least so you in, know. So in your, mind. to answer your question, I think Sarah J. Mass is really bad. Tess is depression because <laughs> she captures it so well. And she must have a husband who is just so supportive. Tell us about your top fictional boyfriends. Mine are so much less complex, though. Like, I almost feel stupid at this point. I just come from a, <laughs> a place of trauma and, like, learning and, like, wanting to be heard. And mine are just, like... Well, have you met me? <laughs> Actually, I think it's a really valid way to assess, like, the people you go for in real life. Because I think what I'm searching for and what you're searching for 
align fairly well like it's it's pretty apparent like what you were drawn like what we were drawn to mm-hmm. i think it's had a- those mommy issues too but rats no follow through <laughs> like top fictional boyfriends are just really ridiculous ones that i can come up come up with off the top of my head like i'm thinking seely booth from bones it, truly like they're ridiculous ones to have but these are any- the men that really i don't like, know anything about bones so you would have to i don't even know so my favorite trope but we're gonna get into that later but my yeah. favorite trope is really like the long the the sexual tension for a really, really oh the will they time. won't they the will so they like won't ross they. and rachel not Ross and Rachel, but <laughs> that, yes. Ross and Rachel, but, but not Ross and Rachel. Chandler and Monica. Yeah, but they were very much like, they were. there was no will they, won't they? And then it was like, but they are? And then it was like, when will everyone else find but out? But I hate, I hate, I just, the trope where like they break up and they find their way back to each other. I hate it. When someone breaks up, sorry, I'm really sorry. But when someone breaks up, I feel like they should just break up. It's not like I didn't break up with Jose six times yeah. or whatever. Well, it's not even about that. It's like my other, my second favorite character slash maybe tied with Nesta character mm-hmm. is Charlotte King from Private Practice. Mm-hmm. And she broke up with her love interest that she would end up with like three times. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, she is who falsely gave me hope that like, you know, I could get back with my ex the third time and it didn't work out. And she should not have gotten back with her love interest is a man child i don't particularly like him i just love her so much that I, if he makes her happy i'm like okay good yeah. for you and he does kind of evolve and grow but he still remains kind of the same man child throughout the whole show and on that same wavelength what are tropes that you love and or don't love like we know you love the will they won't they mm-hmm. and i don't love the marriage off screen they're like where's my wife trope whenever they come back and they're like where's my wife i'm like fuck you i wanted to see that shit what are your favorite trips oh i'm a big sucker for sharing the bed there's mm-hmm. only get to the end there's only one bed i'm a big sucker for miscommunication trope i know a lot of people hate the miscommunication trope but i elaborate lo- i don't know what that means so like an eight in a court of mist and fury spoiler alert if you haven't read a court of mist and fury don't listen um Feyre catches us uh this this creature that she needs to tell her how to like treat reese which is another character mm-hmm. the character that is her love interest poison because mm-hmm. he's been like attacked and that character is like yeah blah 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 and then it like lets slip it's like yeah that's what that'll help your mate or whatever and like mate is like the highest bond that you could have it's like very rare it's above mm-hmm. everything it's like mm-hmm. a soul connection and like um all of sarah j mass's like books you know mm-hmm. and she like fair like she has released the creature at this point and fair whips her head around and she's like my what <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, the, the tea spilling cereal is mm-hmm. like, oh, you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then Feyre, you know, because she's a, she's a woman. And when she asked this, I was like, every woman would have asked that. Go you. Like, being very accurate. She goes, does he know? <laughs> like, you know, does Reese know that she was his mate? And the cereal, because he loves stirring up drama, is like, yeah. And then he goes, sense. And she's like, no. He can tell me since when. <laughs> And she's like, goes back, you know, to the cave where she like left him while he's like dying, bleeding out because he needs help from the poison. She like throws the antidote on him and she's like, eat this. And he's like, can clearly tell that she's angry. And it's very much, it's been memed on TikTok now where it's like, I just had a very interesting conversation with a friend. You know, like Mm -hmm. that sound where it's Mm -hmm. like, I just had a wonderful conversation with a friend or whatever that is. And he's like chewing on this antidote like watching her in silence and she's like i can't remember so like they're like sitting in silence and then she's like she like cuts her arm she's like drink this because like her blood is healing powers Mm -hmm. because magic anyway Mm -hmm. and so then he drinks he's like staring at her like drinking her blood and then after she's finished he's like still sitting there like a smart man who's like clearly something has upset her and i and me and (laughs) mp <laughs> Reese is like, as an empath, I can sense that something has upset her. <laughs> like, when this man full on could like go into break into people mi- people's minds, like that's his power. Like he can full on like you know. To be fair, he has taught her how to shield against him, and he like would never break into her mind yeah. because of respect, whatever, blah blah. But like, it's just ironic that this man who literally could break in and find out what she's mad about was like sitting there, like healing and dying and bleeding <laughs> out, and is like. As an empath, I can sense that she's upset about something. 
<laughs> so I'm not going to make it worse. And honestly, he probably sitting there. He's like, shit. He's like, like doing the mental math, try, mental math, trying to figure out how she could have possibly figured out. He's like, shit, 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 shit. He's like, what happened? What could have? Mm-hmm. What could, and this is after they had their one bed trope where he like mm-hmm. fingered her and it was so mm-hmm. good. And she like broke his heart because they were in bed. Cause you know what I really like? The trope I really, really like is when nobody talks about their feelings and is vulnerable and they lie to each other. <laughs> oh, you just mean my love life? Exactly. Because I do get the ick when they're like, I love you, I love you. And then oh, they have like, I love no. you sex. And I'm like, eh. No. I hate, I hate that. I'm like, I will conceal my feelings until the day I die. Yeah. But to so, you, not to my friends. Exactly. Exactly. So they're sharing a bed. And they're like, she's like grinding up against him. And like, he's obviously hard because she was like playing with his wings. And in Sarah J. Mass's books, the wings, wings make them horny. So she had been like touching his wings. And he was like fingers are very cold and she's like oh, you sensitive babies blah, 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 about their wings mm-hmm. and, he, and then he, she like does it again and he's like you cruel wicked thing and then she's like and i felt a hardness against my back <gasps> oh wait and then she's like it's like so ridiculous but it's actually really hot when you read it and he's like what do you want Vera? like what do you want you know consent mm-hmm. king and she like fully knows that she wants him she like is in love with him she like just is afraid of it but she chooses to not tell him the truth, which is what makes it enjoyable. And she goes, I just, I want fun. I want a distraction. And it breaks his little heart because he's like, this is a man that's been used for sex. Like that's his trauma Aww. is that he was literally like held hostage and raped by this woman oh. for 50 years because he's like, another woman just wants me for sex. Oh, like, oh. Cause he was also like, everyone called him Amaranthus whore who was the villain that like held mm-hmm. him, you know? So like, he's literally sees himself as just a whore that's only good for sex, but not good for loving. Cause he's just like a bad boy. You know, you can see where my issues are. I, I understand. Exactly. <laughs> this episode has really brought a lot of things <laughs> into perspective for me. <laughs> and so she's like, fun. I want fun. I want a distraction. And then, you know, he fingers her and she's like, oh, you know, and it's great. And she also notices that he steals, and she's like, does he not see it for the obvious lie that it is? And it's like, no, he hates himself. Anyway, so this is post that. So post that sharing the bed scene, he's like dead. And she's like, how long have you know that I was your fucking mate? And like, out of nowhere, like they've been sitting in silence. She's been like stewing as he's yeah. like eating the poison yeah. and drinking her blood. And he's like, sitting there like i hope she, i'm not gonna ask he's like i'm certainly not gonna provoke this beast but he's like i'm something's on her mind you know and then she's like how long have you known that i was your mate and he's like shit like literally <laughs> wait so he did actually know yes he knew okay, okay. he knew um so i love that trope because then when she's like how long have you know and he's like Feyre. you know i love i also will say something i love in books that drives me crazy in real life because I've lived it, is when you, like, confront a man with something you found out that he's been hiding from you and he just says your name instead of, like, getting to the point of, like, explaining how he knows it. But in a book, I do love it when they're like, Vera. And he was just like, she was like, how long have you known? You know? And he's like, Vera, as he's, like, dying. And she's like, winnow me out of here. And so then he, like, winnows them to the Illyrian camps. And then he, like, literally can't stand. Is like, his wings are shredded. Is like, dying of being poisoned, except not dying anymore. Like, he'll be fine. But he's, like, not well. Like, he's not well at all. And he, like, falls, like, collapses. It literally is, like, she hears him fall on his knees because he can't get up to, like, go after her. And he's, like, calling after her. And, like, their friends are running out of the cabin for because he winnowed them back to, like, their home base essentially and she like runs up to the girl and she's like winnow me out of here and she's like looking at like her cousin who is like dying and she's like it's like she makes she like does a quick mental math she's like okay <laughs> and winnows her out of there and Feyre's like tell Reese that I don't want to fucking see him do not tell him where I am whatever so she stays in this house by herself for like five days you know mm-hmm. and I love the miscommunication trope because it lets them build the eggs when they're like separated or whatever mm-hmm. so Feyre's in this house for like five days and then there's a thunderous knock at the door and she thinks it's more who's who got her to the house mm-hmm. come back to like see her again because she's been visiting her every mm-hmm. so every few mm-hmm. days or whatever so she like opens the door she had like decided after five days she's like come to terms with her feelings and she's like okay yeah I do want to be with Reese and I like maybe overreacted and you know maybe I was a bit dramatic and now I feel bad because like what if he's like not okay because I did just abandon him like freshly you know injured and poisoned in the rain on the ground and so she's like she's like going to answer the door 
exactly so she's going to answer the door and she's like okay i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell more to take me back to reese right 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 so she opens the door and my favorite the horniest line in the whole book which is so not the horniest line mm-hmm. but it is the horniest line because you mm-hmm. know it's about to get fucking horny is <laughs> but it wasn't more standing on the landing and you're like ah! <laughs> Because it's I love when we scream <laughs> and it's just like a solid fucking rectangle. Because it was Rasad. Because he had been flying everywhere to all of the different heels. With bunch. his broken wing? Well, he'd healed. That's why it took oh. him five days because it took a few days to heal. And then he was flying looking for her. And he's like, yeah, well, I couldn't use my magics. The whole reason they were attacked is because his magic was being tracked. So he's oh. like, I had to actually fly to all of my different properties that are protected because I knew she wouldn't have just dropped you off at some random place because you're valuable to me, Afi. I mean, he didn't say it like that, but you know, he's like, yeah, I yeah. care about you. And he's like, so I knew it had to be one of my houses that were well guarded and protected. And he's like, but because I had a fucking fly it took me some time you know and she's like well <laughs> exactly she's like well it's like the suck you know and so then you know they like have this whole like heartwarming thing and they like fuck a bunch and she's like i love you and i'm so grateful to be your mate and i'm like Aah! like literally everyone loves chapter 54 and i'm like ew they're like being like i love you I and he's like crying and she's like telling him like i love you and i'm like oh. hunt and bryce major enemies to lovers but then again, I lost all of my love for them in Crescent City too because then they were just like a healthy, monogamous relationship Blech. having sex. Literally. Boring. And I was like, Bleh. Instead, I fell for Rune Danan and Day, a.k.a. the Hind, and he didn't know that she was the Hind, which is like this like bad bitch evil person that they didn't know who's obviously not actually evil because she was working with them. Mm-hmm. And then when it was revealed and they'd had like this beautiful mind sex which was so hot and then when it was revealed i was like oh man i can't wait for the next book because they're gonna be so heavy enemies to lovers because he's like i hate her but i love her but i hate her but i love her you know i love enemies to lovers. Love- enemies to lovers has me in a chokehold oh enemies to lovers enemies to lovers is why we have I will, issues <laughs> i will manufacture an enemies to lovers. i will pick a fight <laughs> I think enemies to lovers is why we like bickering as foreplay because mm. we're like I want you to like every single one of my because that's really what enemies though. to lovers is is like bickering because they're like I can't stand you but. I bicker and the thing is like the, there's people that I've like you know what trope I don't like the like untouched maiden and the like bad boy that. trope that's what from the, from blood and ashes that because it's like blood. hunt or it's like Castile whatever his name is his fake mm-hmm. hawk that's his fake name. It's Hawk and Poppy, and Poppy's this virgin maiden. You're not mm-hmm. even allowed to, like, look at her. She has to hide her face and all of that. Eventually, she, like, loses her virginity to Hawk and, like, all this shit. And then he's Castile and, like, blah, 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 blah. And I hated that book because I was like, I'm not into the virgin maiden mm-hmm. trope. What mm-hmm. I really like about Sarah J. Mass is in all of her books, except for Throne of Glass, which was a YA novel, they were all, it was, all, ex- it had already explained that they'd had relationships and were not virgins, you know? Mm-hmm. So that way you didn't have to deal with, like, losing your virginity sex because I, I don't like I that. Hate I hate it. I don't like that. I know. I'm like, As we, we didn't have great experiences. Yeah, that's maybe, why. maybe that's why. But even like maybe to heal ourselves, we could. But like, I hate. No, reading. I hate it. I, every fan fiction I've read, not like before I lost my virginity. Because it's also just unrealistic. But. I feel like because I'm like, for me, I'm like, I don't believe that you enjoyed your first time. And they're like, and it was a little painful. And then I felt a little pinch, but then I felt good. I'm like, shut up. He failed me completely. If you didn't ra- get raped, it was nothing. <laughs> Connect. Part of why I really liked Nessa and Cassian was because they, when they first met, she was still a human. She hadn't yet been turned into, mm. like, a fae, which was, like, this huge violation, which is why I say all the time that, like, people overlook Nesta's trauma. And I was like, Nesta was, like, raped body and soul. Like, that's the only way I know how to describe it because she was a human who was against her will thrown into a, ca- a cauldron magically, a magic cauldron, naked in a room full of people and turned into an immortal fate, like an entirely different being existence, like whatever. Yeah, that's, I'm that's, like, that's, what do you call that? It's like what Rosalie went through. Like she mm-hmm. was turned into a completely different existence against her will. Mm-hmm. But it was different because like Carlisle was at least well-intentioned and Rosalie was going to die. Nesta was perfectly fine. Like Nesta mm-hmm. was perfectly fine, was kidnapped and then forced into this cauldron like was fighting trying not to and like forced through this fallen out naked on the floor no one's even like covering her they're just staring at her naked and fate you know like horrifying humiliating like whatever and pride is everything to nesta similar Mm -hmm. to me you know like 
horrifying and cassian has his wings shredded in this thing because he's like was fighting to try and stop nesta from getting in the cauldron so they like slashed him or whatever so that he couldn't and he's like crawling to her even though at this point they just like their only interactions of them being like she's like you're a stupid brute and he's like well you're a stupid human you know like Mm -hmm. classic like things like that where she's like i hate you and he's like i hate you more like you know (laughs) she's like well you're like you know you're stupid no you're exactly but then when she's in danger he's like literally like his wings are pinned with arrows and he's still like crawling trying to crawl Mm -hmm. to like reach her which is so hot and she's still forced in and then he's the one that's finally able to like reach her like they like they just ignore him when they because then they put the other sister through the cauldron because like Mm -hmm. the two of them are forced through and like when they're doing the other sister he's able to reach her just enough to like take like a cloak and like throw it over her or like someone throws it. i think i'm pretty sure it's cassie that throws a cloak but someone throws a cloak over Mm -hmm. so she doesn't have to be fucking naked on the ground you know and it's horrible and um Part of why I love them is because, like, in one of their interactions when she was still a human before a deleted scene of A Court of Mist and Fury mm-hmm. is her being like, meh, 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 and him being like, meh, 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 meh. and then somehow it comes up, like, whether or not she's a virgin because they're, like, bantering, but they're mm-hmm. also being, like, flirty, ban- mm-hmm. you know? And she and she's like, well, what's it to you if I am? You know, or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, who hurt you? Because he sees the way that she, like, tenses up. Because yeah. she'd had a fiancé. So, like, mm-hmm. I was reading this thinking, like, because I didn't know Nesta when I was reading this. Obviously, I hadn't read A Court of Silver mm-hmm. So when you're reading this, you don't know Nesta yet. You don't mm-hmm. know her whole past. And I was like, wait, you're a virgin girl? You had it. I was like, you had a fiancé. Like, I'm mm-hmm. confused. Mm-hmm. And um, Cassian is pretty much the same. He's like, he, but oh. he, can, he can read her body language and the way she, like, tenses up when Cassian starts to, like, approach her in a more sexual manner. And then he's like, who hurt you? Which is another trope that I love and Nesta's like no one it's none of your stupid brute business like blah 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 you know and he's like doesn't let her back away and he's like or like not like back, emotionally back away she's like he's like no who hurt you he's like what happened and she's like nothing she's like it he didn't he failed like blah, you know and then she like explains to him how like her fiance had tried to sexually assault her mm-hmm. because she was like breaking off their engagement and he was like i was owed this and he like attempts to rape Jesus. her and the only reason he doesn't is because i think she like bites him or something like she does something very because she's very fiery and feisty that she's able to like get away what a man thing to do and only cassian knows this and he's like and he's like, what's his name? And Nesta won't tell him because she knows, like, Nesta knows if she tells him he's going to, like, kill him, you know? And she's like, it doesn't matter. And he's like, it does matter. Like, and he, I think he says something about, like, it matters to me because I would hunt him down and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's like, why? Why would you do that for me? And then he's like, I would do that for any woman. And she's like, and it, like, breaks, I know, it breaks her little heart because she's like, Oh, I'm not. Exactly, exactly. But Cassian's just saying that to seem less intense, except, like, actually, Loki, he would do that for anyone. But so I love, I love that enemies to lover thing or the virginity thing in that sense because like they talk about it and then in A Court of Silver Flames when Nesta is like fucking everyone and getting drunk all the time and all of that, Cassian literally, like when you're reading his point of view, he's like, I refuse to, he refuses to let himself think about who took her maiden head or whatever because he's like so pissed because he like loves her and she's like just fucking everyone. Like he picked out this really nice Christmas gift for her and she was mad. And like for context, they had been on the battlefield. Cassian was going to die. Like the king was ready to like decapitate Cassian and Nesta was there and Nesta had the choice to move out of the way and let him kill Cassian or stay in the way and she threw her body over him and like everyone was shocked because they even in that book all they're doing is being like I hate you I hate you more I hate you I hate you more you know but then when he's like injured and he can't run away because she's literally like she runs out to him and she's like pulling him up and she's like screaming at him she's like get up get up and he's like I can't she's like I can't lift you she's like I can't move you and she's like get up you know and he's like I can't and he like is yelling at her he's like run he's like go and she's like and then she looks at him and she's like And so then the king is, like, just slowly walking to them because he knows that she's not going to leave him and that yeah. he can't run away. And so Nesta, like, sees him, and she, like, says it like he has death, like, twining around his sword and, like, his hand. And so she just, like, covers Cassian's body with her own because she's like, well, if he's going to die, I want to die, like, with him, you know? And Cassian just, like, grabs her. Mm. And he literally, like, grabs her hand, head, and he's like... 
I only have one, reg- I have no regrets in my life, but this Nesta, that we did not have more time, that we did not have the time that we deserved, Nesta. And he's like, I, but I promise you, I will find you in the next life and we will have that time. And then they make out and they think they're going to die. But then Elaine comes from behind and stabs the king in the back of the neck and says, get away from my sister. And then Nesta finishes decapitating the king. But it's so like, that's how they end that book where they like have said that and are so intense. And then there's a little novella in between A Court of Silver Flames, the next book. Mm -hmm. And during that novella, Nesta's dealing with her trauma Mm -hmm. by just being a bitch and being like, you know, the way I handled my trauma and being heavily traumatized. And Cassie and I picked out this like rare edition of this book that was really small and like special for her. And he gives it to her. And she hates herself so much, and she thinks that she's so bad because she couldn't save her father because she watched her father like have his neck snapped in front yeah. of her, and she hated her father her whole life. Nesta has similar family guilt issues mm-hmm. that she deals with the same way that I do, because mm-hmm. she's like, "You failed me, and you hurt me, and I hated you, and I punished you, and then you died, yeah, and I couldn't taken protect you, me. and I saw that you loved me, but it was just, you know, like it's very like that's also part of why whatever. And so she like kills herself over this, and she like hates herself, and like because of that, she's like, I'm not allowed to have Cassian because he's a good man and Aww. I'm bad. So she's like, I have to push him away. Like I don't want him. Like I don't deserve him. He's this is my punishment. Where in in this relative to what you're saying right now is a passage that you read me in the next book. Okay. So like after this, okay. after this has happened, because I'm explaining how we got from like virgin to them being like, we will have this time to yeah, her yeah, being yeah. like, I hate you. And I'm fucking all these other men and getting yeah. blackout drunk every day. Yeah. So at Christmas time, essentially, that's what the novella is. It's like a Christmas fluff piece. Oh, that's fluff cute. Piece. It's like a winter <laughs> Thanks, solstice. Thanks, Sarah. I know. <laughs> it's a winter solstice like fluff piece. And he's gotten her this like special little gift. It's like this rare book that he found. And he like goes out privately to give it to her. And she's been having like PTSD the whole time because she was forced to be at this thing. And the sound of fire cracking reminds her of the sound of her father's neck snapping. Mm. And so the whole time she's there, she's been like tripping out, like being triggered. And no one knows because no one asks. Mm. Because everyone treated Nesta like shit. And I will die on this hill because I'm a Nesta girl forever. Anyway, so they go out to this bridge. And Cassian's like, I got you this gift. And she's like, fuck you and your gift go to fucking hell essentially and she's like really rude to him and he's like you know what everybody hates you (laughs) (laughs) like they just get into it and then cassian storms off and throws the gift in this like rare priceless book into the river and i was like cassian not the smartest movie like that was literally a one of a kind anyway and so then after that is when A Court of Silver Flame starts when all she's doing is like getting drunk and wasted and sleeping with random men and she like mm-hmm. brings them home. She she famously there's a time when she like brings home two at a time and like Cassian notices that she's bringing home two at a time and he's like <laughs> and he gets rip-roaring drunk and everyone's like are you okay Cassian? He's like no. <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> and he's who's sent to her apartment all the time to collect her and she'll just be there like naked in bed with like some random fae and like Cassian's a big deal in like yeah. the fae world because he's like the most powerful well-trained like he's the general of their whole yeah. armies like he's a big fucking deal yeah. he doesn't have magic but what he does have is a very particular set of skills and those skills <laughs> are that he's a fucking ripped and so- a tactical leader and like just amazing in battle like all this episode has done is made me want to (laughs) you need to read these books i swear to god i'll give you them i'll give you them (laughs) and so he like will all the time be crashing in her apartment in the beginning of a court of silver flames like pull her to like make Mm -hmm. her stop drinking and like go meet with everyone else Mm -hmm. and she'll just be in bed naked with like a random man looking at him like okay is that all you can see yourself out. And he's just like fuming. <laughs> and then there's this like random fame male who's like losing his shit because he's in bed with Nesta. And Cassian is like a big fucking deal. And he's like, oh my God, this guy could literally kill me with his bare hands. And I very clearly am fucking a guy, this girl that he like seems to be into. But also she didn't say that she was with him. And I, and the, like the fame men are always like, oh my God, like I gotta get out of here, you know, which is. <gasps> Which is ironic because then Ness, or not ironic, but it's funny because Ness is always like, oh, pathetic. Like, you know. Yeah. So in conclusion. In conclusion. No, because I was looking up tropes, like, to mm-hmm. see what the internet has to say. And listen to these tropes. <laughs> Alien hero. Alpha hero. Amnesia. Armed forces. Artificial intelligence. Asian hero. Athlete hero. Au pair abroad. Which, like... You're misinterpreting my... And this is literally a page called 101 Romance Tropes for Writers. (laughs) What do you mean, Asian hero? How is that a romance trope? Sorry. These are tags on AO3. (laughs) 
Enemies to lovers, fake engagement. I don't really like fake engagement except sometimes. I don't. I like fake. I like fake relationship. I think it could be cute. There's ones that are well done. Fish out of waters. Every single Christmas movie. <laughs> Uh, for, like I don't really like friends to lovers. I'll say I don't like it. I don't like friends to lovers. Um, I hate girl next door. I I yeah, absolutely. I do like hidden identity. Obviously, throne of glass. Mm-hmm. Identical twins incest. <laughs> what? I hate love triangles. I, mean, I hate. Okay. It I, makes good TV. Yes, I will admit it no, makes good TV. But no, I disagree. Every time there's a love triangle, I'm pissed off. I mean, I'm always pissed off, but I'm engaged but because I'm, I'm pissed en- off. But that's the thing. It makes me want to not be engaged. Unless it's like a fake love triangle, you know? Unless like one person is not as invested. Like if there's a main person that you're clearly invested in and the other one is like some sort of distraction, that's okay. But if it's like an pick me, choose me. And then I literally don't. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm, I don't have the emotional capacity. Yeah, I mean, I this. didn't like the love triangle, pick me, choose me of Grey's Anatomy. No, obviously not. But like, literally. there have been other ones that I've liked. Terminal situation. <laughs> What's your favorite trope? My favorite trope I hate is the cancer. pregnancy trope. I hate the pregnancy trope. Well, I for one wouldn't mind it. All right. Well, you don't want to get drinks with me. No, I do want to get drinks, but should I drop off Bam Bam at home or should I leave him here? Oh yeah, we could drop him off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, we can do that. We gotta go. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna go get drinks. Uh, this has been fun. We're uh, both really horny <laughs> because we've been talking about hot fictional men. <laughs>